This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm April Vokey, and you're listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Hanging marlin is one of the most controversial topics in the fishing world. In this episode of Anchored, I sit down with renowned marlin captain Dean Butler and Exmouth guide John O'Shales to hear their very different opinions on the matter. This is a really interesting podcast for me, and not just, you know, given the context of talking about Marlin and should we hang Marlin, which is, of course, very controversial, but I never have two guests on at once, and I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to put two people in a room, and it sounds so barbaric to say hash it out, but like to intelligently hash it out, so that is what we're going to do. You guys are my trial here to see how this works. So I've got Dean Butler on my right. Anyone who's interested in learning more about Dean Butler, you can go to a past episode where Dean and I sat down, and you can hear his life story in depth there. To my left, I've got uh, John O'Shales, and also, again, you can hear John's whole story on another episode that you can find separately. And so why this is interesting, people at home right now who, who have... They're like, why does this sound a little awkward? But it is a little awkward because you two have totally different opinions on whether or not we should hang Marlin. And it's a really interesting subject, and I think that the two of you can really shed some light on it from both sides. I personally can see where Dean's coming from, where Jono's coming from. I can see where it's going to be kind of a meet-in-the-middle sort of thing, but I thought this is a great opportunity to have both of you express your opinions, and then the listener can decide how they feel about it. So I don't know. How are we going to get started? Let's, Dean, just... 
dive off the deep end. Why should we hang Marlon? Well, you're not breaking any laws for a start, certainly in this country. And I think we, sh- we should, as, as humans, have a right to be able to go out there and take a fish as long as you don't waste that fish. And although some records that I've been involved in, I can honestly say that there has been waste because of where we might have been. We couldn't have done anything with it. But most of the fish that I've been involved in taking for someone for a record, we try to do the very best to eat as much of it as we can ourselves, share it around to anyone that might be interested. But I'm also OK with taking a trophy. That, And the only thing that happens with that fish is that it's hung up, we get a picture, we weigh it, we, and the fish is put back in the ocean where it came from. John, I'm sorry, I'm sure you've got something to say. I just want to say something, because I learned yesterday from someone who shall remain nameless, who took a recent record, that they brought the record back, and I guess I guess the way it worked is it had to get flash froze, is that right? Uh, well, Or they had to freeze it to I, maintain the weight? I'm not sure which fish you're talking about. Oh, uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the no, bus. No, that's all right, but yeah, uh, you can snap freeze a fish. That's I don't right. know, I guess it's a big fish, is it? But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was a thousand pounds. Okay, for a record, for a record fish to be snap frozen, that that would probably mean that they they did that to preserve it for mounting. They did, and then that's exactly right. And then, so what happened was they brought it into the dirt. I guess it gets done in the dirt, and because we're in very hot Australia, it it cooked the marlin from the outside in where it was still frozen, and the meat was not edible. Yeah, so. It, like you, I, I could almost see where that was coming from. Then when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, gut shot!" But I mean, we're going to go into to your sure, thought sure, process. Sure, sure. Let's let me just go ahead, John. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've never been interested in hanging a fish nor chasing a record in my life. It doesn't mean that I am more or less, or that Dean or any of, of his mates are more or less of an angler or less of an angler for their views on that. People can do what they want. If, if someone wants to hang a fish and it's legal and the law allows you to do it and you're going to eat it. Go ahead and do that if that's what you want to do. Uh, myself, personally, and the 95% of the clientele who I get who are interested in, in catching a marlin or a sailfish have zero intention or zero objective to uh, stand next to a, a dead fish claiming a record or for anything else. But you do have 5% who are interested in that. I have f- the three people who I've had who have gone ahead to... to reach the, the sort of royal billfish slam, which is basically nine species of billfish on fly on, on IGFA, 20-pound leader setup. Will you um, just name the nine? Because I've got a lot of people here who've only fished for trout and steelhead. They have no idea what we're talking about Sure. Right so that's a Lifetime Achievement Award, which is basically all nine species of fish. So Atlantic blue, Pacific blue, Atlantic sail, Pacific sail. You've got the short-billed spearfish out of Conan, Hawaii, black marlin, striped marlin, uh, white marlin and uh, the broad-billed swordfish. So the guys who have been here come and fish with me, they wanted to get the black marlin. One was the eighth, and the other one was, uh, I believe, the ninth. Um, so these guys went ahead, and they, they, they was, they're actually trustees from the IGFA themselves. So these are American guys from the IGFA who came out here to ob- achieve that objective. I only get you know, those guys to do that. The rest of the 95% happy to go out fishing and just want to catch and release the fish. Right. Now, for the people listening right now who have already made up their mind, because they're like, I don't believe in records, let, let's just talk a little bit about what the IGFA is. Because I went into this thinking marlin fishing is only for fat old guys with lots of money who want their name in a book. That's just what I assumed it was. And then I tried it and went, okay, 
Okay. There's a lot more to it than that. And it's, it's a lot harder than I thought. Now let's, let's talk about the IGFA specifically. I've always been very anti IGFA and I've been pretty quiet about it just because of who, because I am a professional in the industry. So I, I just choose to stay away from it. But recently I've started really digging into what the IGFA is. And what I realized is after reading all the rules, this isn't, I mean, yes, I'm sure for a lot of people it's just getting their fat rich names in a book, but for a lot of people, it's about the ethics and, and being fair to the fish. When I started reading what things couldn't, couldn't be done. For example, if I had, I've just spent the last few days fishing with Dean. If my real malfunctions, Dean can't help me with that. If I, if I need, if I get a cramp in my arm, which is a very real thing, it happened all day yesterday when I was trying to, when I was fighting that fish, I can't pass the rod over for a minute. I had to have 20 pound tippet, which anyone who sees a big fish thinks that's ridiculous, but I can honestly say I wouldn't have fought that fish any differently with straight 60 or a 20 pound IGFA leader. It didn't make a difference to how I fought it. I fought it the same way. And I can see how the IGFA has rules in place so that it's more fair to the fish. Where the IGFA loses me is when they demand that to get a record, you have to hang and kill that marlin. I think that it's outdated and old school. I understand your thoughts there, but basically, if you want to record fish for a marlin, you have to kill the fish. Mm -hmm. And you and I spoke about this for like eight hours one day. You have some really interesting takes on it. Well, yeah, you know, like, just let me say that not all of my clients want to kill a fish, and I've let go more marlin than most people, so it's not all about killing the fish, but a good customer that has an interest in doing that, and there's not many of them that do. Most people are happy to see the fish, catch it on legal tackle, whether it be conventional or fly, and uh, get the most out of it and get, get rid of it as soon as they can, and, and healthy and fit, like that fish he was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but the International Game Fish Association do keep records, and if, if you're going to keep a record on a marlin, it has to be killed. There's no way you, you can manage a big fish bes- beside the boat uh, without basically killing the fish anyway. So, but why and, do we and, need and, records? And, well, why do we need records? Why do we need records? Well, I think, I think as far as I'm concerned, uh, records are... I believe the sport of... I don't think that all fish should be chased for records. I don't think there's any skill involved in catching a small fish on big line. You know, I just don't think that there's any point in take Now, maybe you can catch it, measure it, weigh it, put it back in the water, but I just don't see the point in that. There's, anyone could do that. The one that's... The person that decides to do that, I just don't get that. But with challenging fish like marlin and tarpon and, and, and big, strong fish that require angling skills to catch, I think that to take the fish weigh it, you're keeping score of what's happening in the sport of big game fishing. And you think we should keep score because it is, in your mind, actually a sport? Well, since, since I was 15 years of age, uh, and like a lot of Australian fishermen, and because we're surrounded by salt water, we have very little fresh water. We're all saltwater fishermen. We had the Australian National Sports Fishing Association, ANSA. That was a scorekeeping, record-chasing association, and we all fished by rules, and we all fished light line. You know, the, the bigger the fish, the lighter the line, the greater the challenge, the, the bigger deal the capture when you, when you caught the biggest one ever on that line class. So we were just brought up fishing that way, and competition fishing. Uh, just like I played football, it was competition, you know, it was a team sport and on some weekends people went off and played golf, some people went off and played football, we went fishing. 
So the importance of keeping records is to understand what the biggest fish of a species has caught and to appreciate that the, the skills required to actually do that, you know. Record keeping for all sorts of fish is not something I, I have any interest in or, or care to catch for any other reason than for a fun day out and or to harvest for food, you know, and then if I'm fishing for food, I'm not, I don't care how I fish, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, Johnny, you're from South Africa, so do you think it's a cultural thing? Do you think that maybe you and I aren't from here, so we don't necessarily understand that culture? When I grew up in South Africa, uh, fishing's pretty tough. There's a lot of subsistence take in the system, so you have a lot of people living off the land, taking from the rivers, taking from the ocean. Those fisheries are depleted. I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a fantastic fishery that you're, you're having shots at fish all the time and fish are always there. I mean, Australia is an amazing place to fish. The fishing is healthy here. The fish docks are good. It's a fantastic fishery, east coast, north coast, west coast. It's an amazing place to be and it's amazing fish. But I didn't grow up in a culture of, of ever um, immersing myself in that many fish, that there were competitions that we could fish to, to, to set rules and, and, and fish underneath regulations and rules. Fishing was just a pastime. It was fun. It was a fun thing. It still is a fun thing to do. You go out, you fish. If you catch a big fish, if you catch a small fish, you're having fun. The main objective of, of the way I grew up and, and sort of my, my cultural background is, I guess, appreciating the fish and, and releasing it. Competition fishing and, and fishing under a set of rules for me is as foreign as, you know, English and Japanese, let's say. Um, but, you know, everyone's different. Some people choose to fish competitions and under a set of rules, that's fine. You know? How um, deep do your ethics run if you've got clients who do want records? If one of those three guys wants a record mm-hmm. and they want to hang it, what do you say? A very good question because that actually happened. So the gentleman who I had from, who was a trustee of the IGFA, he contacted me. He wanted to come out. And for the Royal Billfish Slam, it's not about hanging the fish. It's not about killing the fish either. It's all catch and release. And all they got to do is uh, wind the, uh, the tippet knot or the, the knot from the fly line onto your leader into the rod, get a picture of that or get the release. That's, that's a legal release. And for me, that's fine. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to grab the leader, pull the fly out, release the fish. About a week before he arrived, he contacted me and said, listen, really interested in uh, once we knock over the 20 pound, we'll go to 16. And I sort of went pale in the face and I, I, I thought about it for a second and I emailed him back and I said, dear sir, in all due respect, I have no intention of hanging a fish. Um, I uh, will not hang a fish and I will not kill a fish for your records. His reply to me was, that's fine. I'll pay you for your time and I'll pay another guide for his time. And that was the answer of that. And anyway, we got two, we got two black marlin on 20 pounds. The gentleman had a good time and he left and he was very happy with his captures, uh, which are still swimming in the ocean today. So, um, Yeah, well, I know that particular client. I fished him to catch his... He wanted black marlin in the east coast of Australia and uh, we actually didn't catch it. And, you know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to cover all the things that we talked about the other day, but you say you caught that fish or you catch fish, you know, my idea of a caught fish, especially a fish that takes some catching, is more than just winding a fish within 20 feet of the boat and letting it go, you know, so, which is what those guys are doing. So I have a problem with that whole thing. But, they, you know, they're record chasing without having to have too many skills at all, really. They're still chasing records. So I think all those guys were trying to be the first to do that nine, nine fish thing in one year. Is that correct, what they were trying to do? Uh, both guys got nine fish. They didn't get them in, in, in the year. The third guy came here and did that, yeah. and he did that in one year. But the other guys did it over a lifetime. I think the IGFA's 
congratulatory right. uh, certificate is a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. If the average day out there is $2,000 a day, is that fair to say an average day of marlin fishing in a big game fish boat with... Oh, that's way below average, I would think. When I'm out there... If we were to talk about money, yeah. how much it costs yeah, to catch what do you something, think? how much does it cost someone to catch a bonefish in the sun, you know, and let it go in the show cells? Yeah, but to catch, a lot of money. to catch the Grand Slam and get that many species, especially in one it's year... It's going to cost them some money. Tons of money. It just makes me question the sorts of people who are out there chasing the records. And it makes me wonder if people who don't have that money, if it's even possible for them... So I'm, I'm constantly wondering the mentality behind these yeah, people. Yeah, okay. well, that's... And I've met a lot of rich guys. Some of them, some of them don't have egos. A lot of them do. So yeah. I'm not going to stereotype one type of person, but it does make me question the type of people who are chasing records. Sure. Now, but now let me just explain to people listening. So basically it's been me and I've gone marlin fishing with both of you guys in small boats and in, and in a big boat and in a, in a bigger boat, which is how we ended up getting that fish. You've got Captain up, up at the top. You've got a couple of deckhands who are helping tease that fish in. And then you've got me. So the person who's catching the fish has an entire team of people behind them. It's really quite an outstanding operation. It's I, I would never take credit for catching a marlin when it's the whole team. And even, John, if it was just me and you on your boat, it would still take two of us. It's never just the one person, for the most part, right? I know it's possible, but um, anyway, I just want to kind of paint a picture. But let's go back to to what happened. So you said to the guy no to the 16-pound, but you said yes to the 20-pound. Is that because he's able to do the reeling into the leader? Not necessarily, no. His objective when coming to Exmouth was to get the Royal Billfish Slam and Fly. He wanted to tick <clears throat> to box or to get the black. Mm-hmm. So he just wanted to get a black on 20-pound. Then he said, once we get the black on 20 pound, we'll go for the record uh, on 16. Okay, got so it. So th- then he was thinking, right, well, once I've ticked the box and I've got that, then we'll start record chasing. Right. But and now at that point, I drew a line in the sand. Said no. Yeah. But the definition of catch, and this is something that's really interesting to me. I love words, and I, I think it's really interesting to discuss the definition. Do we all agree on the definition of catch then? I, okay, I caught a marlin yesterday. Could have had it caught real early in the fight if we wound it into the leader, but... We got that fish to hand, and only then it was caught. Maybe it's the hunter in me, but I need to feel that fish in my hands to know it's been caught. That's what I define as caught. I think you feel the same way, Dean. Without question. What about you? Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. I think it's a release. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, but the the Game Fishing Association have a terminology that a release or a caught fish is when the connection between your, your leader and your fly line passes through the rod tip of the fly rod. So how long did it take for him to get the fly line to pass we, through We the landed tip? the fish. We, I grabbed the leader, grabbed the bill, took the fly out, had that fish by the side of the boat. But how, but, cause, just because you always hear people say, oh, I don't want to catch records because it's not fair on the fish. And I used to say it, that too, until yesterday when it took the same amount of time. But how long did it take for him to get the tip in versus get it to hand? The first fish we got was... 15 minutes the second fish was 20 minutes but you got to understand you can have a fish that comes up at the back of the boat eats the fly and sits there shaking its head trying to get the fly out you can back the boat onto that fish while it's shaking its head wind the tip into the rod tip and it's a release right okay then that fish can dart off snap off but you've got the according to the rules correct me if I'm wrong, you've got the release on that fish. I didn't even think about backing the boat into it. Right. Okay. And that has, and that's, I mean, that's splitting hairs, but that's it. For me, you've got to grab the fish, you've got to take the fly out, have a picky next to the boat, release it, happy, swims off, and everyone's good to go. Now, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to say it. 
I heard rumor that that fish ended up dying, or that fish was dead when you guys released it. Which one? I don't. I don't know. One I think, of the fish. I think you're talking about fish. Fish jumped. The second one jumped in the boat. All right. So what happened was, he's saying to me, "Get up on the fish." In other words, let's get that t- tippet connection into the fish. It's actually the connection between the fly line and the butt section. And the butt section. The tippet is actually right down near where the fish is. It's sure. about three feet from the fish. But sure, they, sure. I would imagine, based on my knowledge of what, how those guys fish, that the butt section is probably another 7 to 10, 12 feet away from the, from the fly. What's stopping them from having like a 30-foot well, butt I think section? Well, I think uh, there's a lot of talk right now at the IGFA about how to to rectify this because this particular release trophy they're all hunting or and have hunted there's only four people in the world want to do it and uh for reasons that you know i i can't even fathom because they want to i think they just want to get their name in the book as as an angler without actually having to use too many skills to do it that's what i believe uh because it's i've seen the blood sweat and tears that goes into catching the records that I've been involved in over the last 20 years and basically when someone who doesn't have any interest at all in this stuff picks the book up and sees nine billfish caught on a fly and this guy over here only caught one and you know uh, but his was actually caught weighed and put in the book for, for for that record the fact that those two guys get compared uh as being equals as anglers is it, it's just not fair at the end of the day so they're actually looking at that right now um, in regard to how long the butt section should be to make a legitimate release with a fly rod because they based all of that on conventional tackle releases. So there's some issue, there's some stuff happening with that at the moment, but uh, I think it'll probably just go away because the three, the four guys that I know are interested in doing it have done it, and I don't think anyone else is going to do it because the rule it'll get harder to do and. It's not really, it, apart from spending, having the money to do it, I don't think they've achieved anything, to tell you the truth. Do you think it's changed now? And I'm going to come back to your fish, but I just have a question real quick. Just thinking about today with, with digital, the digital world that we yep. have, do you think that maybe back then it was so important to these guys who, let's just admit, a lot of them want people to see their name in the book. Do you think that it was important to them because of that exact reason they wanted their peers to know? But maybe people aren't as interested now because you can catch a fish and show a photo and then still feel sure, like you have the sure. clout and the merit? In the 1960s and 70s, it was okay to grab a tarpon by the face, pull it up over, you had that Andy Milne picture. Yeah. People were upset because that fish was hanging out of the water. It's an old photo. It's an old photo. I, I think where, where the essence of my beliefs are in this whole deal with the fact that I do think that anyone has the right to take a fish. I just keep coming back to the, I'm a saltwater fly fish and I love to fly fish in saltwater and I studied the books the early days, I read all the stories, I read the books that Lefty wrote and Joe Brooks and all of these guys, they created the sport that I love to do. And, and during that time, everything was new. They were learning how to build rods to handle the pressure, how to make reels that could st- stay together. And along the way, they all fished by a set of rules. And the only way to to work out who was doing it the best, because it was a competition, these guys were competitive. They were all out. They had a competitive like of two football teams are competitive competitive like racing car drivers are competitive, competitive like golfers are competitive. 
and they went out every day and they had wonderful fishing and when they got a really big fish on it was cool back then to take that fish weigh it and that became the new world record that became the benchmark of the size of the fish that can be caught on a on a trout rod that was designed primarily the same thing it's just still a one-to-one reel it's still a, a fishing rod that you can cast a fly that has no weight so as that progressed me as a young fellow was watching this happen or I didn't even I was too young to see it happening but I was I read about it there's history and tradition in the way those guys fished and the way I fish and and the things that were developed that you and your clients do every day when they use their tackle came from them and I think it's disrespectful a to call a fish caught when you point the rod at the at the thing, drive around and get it. And I know you, and I think the fish that you're talking about were small fish, which is cool. You know, you catch a little black marlin, you can grab it. You had, you had a tough one the other day, but it wasn't a big fish. No. But I would like to say it was a 70-pounder, and I feel today like I've been hit by a train. Yeah, and, and you really deserve, you earned that fish. You didn't get an easy one. It wasn't hooked exactly where we wanted it. It was just hooked outside of the face, and uh, that was a tough one. And I doubt that, and... I don't think we would have got the leader into the rod tip of that particular fish. So anyway, I guess without rattling on here, I just everything's about, for me, it's the history. The reason I do what I love to do is because of what those guys worked out what to do back then. And all of those boys that did that are still, they fish conventional, uh, they fish IGFA legal and they believe the fish is caught and they grab it by the face and take the fly out. And if you can do that, that's a caught fish. All this other stuff, releases and all of that, like we tagged your fish yesterday, caught, you know, tagged the fish, that's caught. It took another hour to get the thing in hand. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Big difference. Um, I'm going to come back to that because yeah. I'm slow. Every minute I'm p- pushing away from, from your fish and I want you to have time to explain what you're talking about, but I am coming back to that because sure, I have a, an argument to that very wonderful, very interesting point that you just made about history. Uh, what happened with your fish? Um, just to clarify, the leaders, which the guys were using, were, I guess, nine, ten-foot leaders. Uh, butt section wasn't ten or twenty feet, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, I think, yeah. So, but, so yeah, so uh, when you're fishing for records and you're fishing under a set of rules... The objective is different. You know, you, you arrive at the dock, your objective for the day is completely different. You're, you're into the, it's, it's a competition, you know, it's serious. It's not, you could say it's fun, but it is fun, but it's more serious. You're there to get a record, to tick a box, to do something. So, you know, to get this connection uh, according to the IGFA rules where your, where your butt section is, is passing through the rod tip, to get that, you can. You can drive up on the fish, wind it in, you know. Um, and so we, 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 the fish was jumping around in the ocean. That's fine. And then it laid up on the, on the ocean. And, um, you know, he's fishing standard, the IGFA legal leader. And he said, get up on the fish. So we drove up on the fish and uh, got up close to it. The fish turned around, jumped and landed in the boat. So we had a, about an 80 pound fish flapping around inside my boat. Well, that's dangerous. <laughs> and the, the clients jumped up on the, on the rear deck. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're driving the boat up towards the fish, you know, to get this in brackets, release, let's say, to caught fish. Uh, fish ended up in the boat. I ended up wrestling the fish, putting it over the side of the boat, making sure it was okay, holding it there, a couple of picks, swam it off, and the fish has swam off healthily, and, you know, the client was happy. That was his second second black marlin. Coming back to the dead fish, yeah, the fish died. The first, uh, the first fish that we 
court that was the first of the royal billfish lambs on fly in the world was uh, again caught on a standard IGFA legal leader system using 20 pound tippet off the butt section with a connection and so on. Two hours into the fight and fish come up and it was dead. Why do you think it died? Was it from taking too long? It's just after fight? It just took too long. So yesterday, because yesterday. And it went deep. Oh, okay. The hook went deep. The, the fish went deep. Fish run off and the fish went deep. Ah. Oh. So you, you, you know, fish is deep. Uh, it's pretty tough to get that fish up. Okay, and it's a blood sport, so no one can judge you for that, especially if you guys did your best and he mm. fought it like he would if he mm. had, say, 100 on, whatever that right. argument is. But So the fish comes in dead. The big question, though, is what do you do with that dead fish? Okay, so this was a situation that arose. He got the, again, in brackets, release by winding the tip it in, the, a big part of the butt in to the rod tip early on in the fight. His wife, lovely lady, took a photograph, got the picture of the, that connection up in. So we'd already actually got legally the, the release of the fish. For me, I want to grab the fish like you guys, pull the, bill, pull, pull the, uh, the fly out of its bill and watch it swim off. Uh, the fish dive down deep and, you know, you've got to pull a big fish up. We knew it was a big fish. We're still fishing 20 pound. Anyway, fish come up and, um, uh, you know, after two hours, literally he was pointing the rod straight at the fish, could have snapped it off and, and literally was pointing the rod trying to, get the, trying to get the fish up. Fish come up to the boat. I saw it was dead. I grabbed it. Um, I said, uh, well, congratulations, first off. Uh, and for me, that was the first dead billfish that I had seen next to my boat. All the other fish that I'd caught alive. And, you know, it's nice to see a live fish and nice to see a live fish swim off. At that time, I also realized that it was a big fish, and it was a big fish. 60 kilos, something around there, 60, 70 kilo, what do you want to call it? We had the fish by the side of the boat, and, and, and the client had said to me, you know, first off, I'd, I'd shaken his hand, congratulations on achieving your lifetime achievement award. And uh, he said, what do you, uh, is there anything you can do with the fish? I said, I have no idea what to do with the fish. I have no uh, need, first off, for the fish, and second off, uh, definitely don't want to go back to town and uh, have a big dead fish in my boat and what am I going to do with the thing? And I definitely don't want to be standing next to the fish claiming that we've got some kind of record. Um, so we just basically let the fish sink to the bottom of the ocean and uh, drove on home. And that was, that was it. Um, so he, he had achieved his, his objective there and, uh, you know, we'd, uh, we'd killed one fish and you know, that's a drop in the ocean as far as stocks and so on go. And it's legal. You're allowed to do that. And, uh, and on we went. Do I agree with it? And do I think it's right? Hell no. I, th- I think it sucked. It was a, it was a terrible day of, uh, of, uh, for me, personally. But if, if nobody saw you bring that fish home, would you have brought it home and smoked it? You're South African. You like meat. Would you have brought it home and smoked it up? Zero. No, not at all. But what about if somebody you knew wanted to eat? I would have you taken that fish the home The fish was as sure. big as the table. Yeah. Bigger. So where do you? So that's interesting. Okay, so he's caught one though, and you and you understand that because it's one fish in the whole grand scheme of things. But then, how many fish? How many, in many years have you been doing this for? Um, I've been marlin fishing since about 1990. How many marlin do you think have been hooked in your boat over the years? Uh, well, I've fished in lots of different boats over the years. Okay, in all your boats. And all the all the fishing I've done, I couldn't even put a number on it. But if I fish, uh, if I fish seventy days and I catch one, if I catch one every other day, that's thirty five marlin a year in one lo- uh, in one location. And and for many years, I don't know the answer. But you, I'll I'll try and put a number on it and say if I caught 
if I hooked 100 marlin every year for 30 years, that's whatever that is. Okay, so a lot. And how a many lot. have you killed in your life? Oh, uh, maybe 100. Okay, so if you were to break that down, how many a year are you taking? Over, over 30 years, three a year. Okay. So did you have anything? To- well, I, I've got a lot of, lot to, you know, it's not the right place now to discuss that, but that particular fish, you used the picture of that dead fish to, to start a campaign that was not really sanctioned by the IGFA, by one of those, the gentleman's name was, and you said some pretty, some, you, you targeted me in that post, so I, I, and I knew that fish was dead, I could see it was dead, but you basically took a picture of a dead fish that you wasted, you, you, you wasted it so he could get his release to start a campaign for getting people to stop killing marlin. I just think that that was so not cool, you know, and, and that's a... And, and asked you about it because you targeted me in that particular post and then never answered the questions I asked about that. I don't even get that. Why would you make a statement like that and not answer questions when I assume I had a right to ask? Right, that's a very good, very good opinion. Well, uh, it's, not a, it, it's, it's question, unanswered questions about something that's uncool and whether this is the right spot to discuss it. I've, since the day it happened, I've been want, wanting to ask you those questions. So. I, think, I think we're in the, exactly the right spot so to, to talk about on, that. Yeah. So you think it's uncool to talk about killing marlin, and that's more uncool than actually killing marlin. Is that correct? Well, no. You killed the fish. You should, you should have said what you just said then. We killed the fish. I couldn't utilise it. Bring it into town. I guess you've got a lot of green friends in here that would be horrified to know that you killed that fish, regardless of whether you meant to or not. You know, like, it's still a dead fish, mm. and now it's a wasted fish. You know, you've wasted that fish, you've used it as a platform to, to target people like me that kill fish, and then used a dead fish to promote, to, to set that thing in motion. And then the other thing that really got on my nerves, which I did ask questions about as well, was that you promoted, and I've got the stuff here, I can quote it if you like, but has caught, is the greatest fly fisherman of all time. The, pretty much what you said. He rewrote the book. He caught 440 world records. Just recently, 230 of them were retired because they weren't as heavy as the line class he caught them on. So at the same time as trying to stop the killing of marlin, you've gone and... And it just happens so much nowadays. Guys that spend a lot of time, effort and money to achieve something that actually requires lots of skills, and I'm sure he's a good fisherman, but he, he, to me, when you talk about what sort of guy wants to be in the record book, I don't even know what sort of guy he must be, that he thinks that anyone really cares that he caught an aquarium fish like an Oscar 119 times on every line class and every piece of tackle that it could be done with, and not one of them weighed more than the fishing line. So... People say to me, oh, this guy's caught 440. I've been involved in 47. He's that much better than me because of that, or that much better than me than... So, you know, and believe it, it get, you get compared because the average person doesn't understand. So when you keep scores and you weigh fish and you do this stuff, it sets a level, you know, and whether you agree or not, people 
dying out on this stuff. You don't think those guys are dying out on it. You dined out on it, the fact that you had these guys doing this and that you were able to provide that service. But uh, it just, it, just people have to understand the difference between what, what's 440 fish means to the guys that actually in the 70s and 60s and 70s were developing the tackle and the techniques and, and catching these big fish. We're losing that history because they're making everything so easy to look like you've achieved something when I don't think you did. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's some, again, uh, good opinions. And um, the thing is with Marty, uh, I'd met the gentleman, uh, extremely nice guy, him and his wife, both have multiple world records, according to the IGFA. Sure. They are uh, trustees of the IGFA. Him and all his buddies are in the IGFA. They're all trustees of the IGFA. They're all rubbing shoulders at the IGFA. Uh, he's used that set of rules to achieve the highest number of world records that anyone has caught under the IGFA rules. He's using the rules and has used the rules his whole life and his whole fishing career. So has his wife very lovely people and I extremely enjoyed my time with them. The discussion on the boat was along the lines of how are we evolving forward, moving forward, how are we looking at uh, what we're doing and, and where are we going with this it's fair enough to say that we have a history we all have a history, everything is about history you know it, 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 fly fishing and the way it evolved and developed and, and as a sport and as competition and under a set of rules, game fishing rules uh, has evolved to today. But where are we going with all of this? Are we going to consistently stand next to dead fish and say, this is cool, this is the way I want to be seen, this is, the, this is the future of fishing and this is a good thing? Or are we evolving in a way? And I, I guess that was my point, and perhaps you got, uh, it got under your skin somewhat with what I posted. Uh, my point was being was, is this what we want to represent ourselves as? You know, we're hanging fish, standing next to the fish, claiming that we're a winner, that we're the, the, we're the winner of, of a rule-based system, that, that we're the, the champions. And I asked him that, and I said to him, do you want to go back with the fish? He said, I no longer ever want to be seen next to a dead fish, ever. I want to get this, tick the box, and, I, and if we could have released it, I would have been happy with that. I never want to be seen next to a dead fish again. And I said to him, what about what's going on in the IGFA? What do the other guys think about that? What, if you talk to the guys inside the IGFA, do they want to do that? He said it's a huge issue that no one really can agree on. Some people want to change, and some people want to stay with those rules, which have been rules from the beginning, from the 70s, and, and Dean's reflected on that tonight. Those are the set of rules. That's the foundation of the sport. It's the foundation of the rules-based side of fly fishing, which is depicting fly fishing however you want it to be. If you want to release fish, that's fine. But if it's a rule-based game where there's people standing next to fish which are strung up and dead, claiming to be records, I don't think we're evolving, and I don't see how things are evolving. And perhaps, Dean, perhaps I could ask you the question, how do you see us moving forward? You, I'm not the one who's just started a single debate against you and hanging fish or so on. There is constant contentious uh, uh, tension against fishermen on the whole from every corner of society. People see someone with a strung up fish, Eddie with his thousand pounder, the guys were freaking out in the newspapers and greenies and so on. Yet people with a game fishing background and a fishing background think, wow, what a legend. He's done well. He's the world champion. He's... 
But there is a huge amount of momentum and tension from society, from a bunch of people. And this is not me with a bunch of handful greeny friends. I have no greeny friends. I'm just a fly fisherman who's come up through the ranks dabbling in catching different fish. And, and yeah, sure, marlin are one of those fish. I don't want to string anything up. But there are a bunch of people who want to shut down fishing, not only in Australia, but around the world. And we have right now, just on the, on the doorstep of Sydney, we have in Foster on the East Coast, there's a massive lockout campaign happening from the government right now, which is stop fishing altogether. So people are now being locked out. Your playground... Port Stevens has already got a bunch of no-go zones where they've, the, the guys have come in, the, the, the green side of the government has come in, they've locked things up. No more fishing in those areas. So my question is, like, are we representing fishing? Are we representing ourselves in the best light possible by standing next to a fish which is strung up? Or can we perhaps lead by example as the best in the field, as those who are out there catching and being the best in the field? So how do things evolve how do you see, Dean, how do you see things evolving well, from here? I don't have a long-term vision of how things will evolve, but I've always said that if they stop commercially harvesting marlin, I would never kill another. But I've seen, I've waited fish at Port Stephens. We had bad publicity, good publicity. While we're weighing that fish and the reporters taking the picture and putting it in the paper that then got... And it was quite a few years ago, but it got negative publicity from that particular story the journalist wrote. At the same time, I'm watching a longliner 300 metres away unloading 80 striped marlin. Now, to me, there's two stories here. That's a great catch, and that's a criminal thing. That's, they actually ruined my business, those longliners. And where I was killing one or two fish a year, I was flipping, my kids ate marlin three nights a week. It's good for them. I was able to catch it. Most people have to go and pay for their fish from a co-op. Now, those commercial fishermen aren't breaking any laws. So my question back to you, how do you see the commercial fishing evolving? You know, so basically, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we, I, I think there's so many people now that with, with zero understanding of what actually is going on out there and 90% of the negative stuff, the death threats that Eddie got, they don't know much about fishing, I'll guarantee you. They just need a reason to complain. It's something that they're not happy about going on. But have you ever been to the Sydney fish market, the Tokyo fish market? We ain't going to shut that stuff down anytime soon. People need to eat. And that commercial fisherman has the right to kill marlin to make a living to sell that fish into the co-op. So, yeah, I don't know how it's going to evolve, but you're not going to stop people from eating fish, which means you're not going to stop commercial fishing pressures on stocks. And sure, the, there has been some great stuff done by the IGFA, stop, take marlin off the menu, don't order it when you see it, tell the restaurateur that why you're not going to order the marlin and why you won't come back until it's off the menu. That's been great. That really threw me off when I was on the IGFA website. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Let's talk a little bit though about numbers because that's what it comes down to for me. It all comes down to numbers. In the small amount of research I've done, and I know there are going to be a whole lot of variables here, but from what I understand, the Atlantic blue marlin is in, they're on the verge of being wiped out. Black marlin, they don't have enough data. Striped marlin, it's a sensitive fishery. But then what I've read is that the Pacific blue marlin is in, ab- in abundance. And I showed you before we started, the, what is it, the NOAA website. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how credible they are, but they're saying that, in fact, I'll read it for you just straight off the website verbatim so you hear it off the website. It says, about the species, U.S. wild-caught Pacific blue marlin is a smart seafood choice because it is sustainably managed and responsibly harvested under U.S. regulations. It says population level above target population levels, fishing status at recommended levels. Listen, I got to be honest. I read this stuff. I'm a hunter. We had this conversation earlier this week. I can honestly say, sitting here right now publicly, look, if I caught a Pacific blue marlin, and if that website is accurate, I I would take it home. Just like I would take home a 40-pound Chinook salmon, just like I would take home a six-pound trout, I would take it home. And I wouldn't think anything of it. But you sure as shit wouldn't catch me taking a photo beside it, because I don't want to be hung publicly. So you said something interesting when you got here the first day. You said, you're a hunter. What's the difference in killing a deer? And my response, and I thought about that, and I want to tell you on record, the difference is, is I kill a deer, but this year I'm not going to be killing a moose, because I don't need that much meat. So I'm more likely to kill a 70 pound, like that one yesterday that we caught, that would probably be a very tasty fish. It gives me just enough meat for the barbecue, the smoker, the freezer. Um, but I couldn't justify having a 1,000 pound marlin. I understand. Just the way, I, the way I've always, and I've thought a lot about this because I'm, I'm, I'm just a fisherman, and, but I'm not stupid. And I, I've seen so many marlin killed by commercial fishermen, and I just don't think that the marlin that I've killed in my lifetime and my friends have killed has done anywhere near the damage that those commercial fishermen have done. Well, there's no question that it hasn't done the and I've also And I also believe that if you take... That was a f- fine fish that Eddie caught. It's a 1,089-pound blue marlin, and, he, and he's... One of the reasons that Eddie caught it and someone else here didn't catch it, because he's probably the only guy here with the skills to do that. Whether you agree with taking the fish or not, uh, that's a fact. So he's put that fish up. I believe that fish will bring fishermen to this town. It'll, it's put the place on the map as a place where you can actually catch a big one. 99.9% of the people that will come because of that, whether it be one person or 100 people, will come to let the fish go. I believe that... The, that dead fish will bring people in here as long as the fishery remains as healthy as, as it is now to catch and release marlin, which means that it'll bring more people into the town, which will mean that maybe... And this is, my, this is where I see the, the green element attacking every time. Why, why not sit back and think about it for a moment if there was fish out there, healthy fish... I've been in fisheries where the fish stocks have gone down the toilet and the business is bad and it's done. The town survives, but the fishing's done. They're not coming there to fish anymore. And it's historic that fisheries don't last forever. If people understood that one dead fish will save so many more and focused on trying to 
stop commercial fishing for species that are of value to towns like Exmouth, I think that's a good thing, but I just can't see it ever happening when you've got a radical fraction just attacking instead of thinking about the big picture. Why not attack the commercial fishermen? Why not? I don't know. And let me say this. I've got friends that make a living killing fish, uh, commercial fishermen, you know. They have a right to do it. I don't think that you can just stop them doing it. You know, I don't think the government will give me, buy my business off me or say, we'll buy you out so you stop killing marlin. And I don't think that they should do that with uh, commercial fishermen. But if they protect the fish stocks, this place will be the fishery it is now. And it is the best fishery in the world out there for marlin fishing. I'd love to think it will remain that way, but evolution suggests to me that it won't because somewhere along the line, those fish that migrate past this coast will get caught by legal and or illegal commercial longliners and that fishery will go away, not because of what we did, because of what happens out there while everyone's yelling at each other about killing one fish. But where do you draw the line on... Oh, just because they're doing it, I can too. I mean, I never your, said that. But you did say if they stop fishing, yeah, you'll stop fishing. I don't think I don't think I'm doing any damage. I honestly do not believe that I am doing one single bit of damage to the marlin stocks of this world. And and the problem about doing this, stop killing them, stop doing this, it's not addressing the real problem. It's just making people feel good. Let's. Get real about what's going on here. I couldn't agree more about the commercial fishing. I think that commercial fishing and uh, fishing long lines for lots and lots of marlin is completely disproportionate to going out catching one fish on a fly rod or on a, on a game rod. The major difference is commercial fishermen are not sitting there taking photos of themselves claiming that they're, I guess, uh, champions, no, winners. They're sitting in a cafe taking a picture of their fucking coffee. Yeah. and they had salad and putting that up. There is a big movement to perhaps be more responsible, let's say. You're never going to stop people taking fish out of the ocean. Uh, the, as far as I'm concerned, the take limits here in Exmouth, we're not talking marlin now, we're just talking general take limits, are some of the highest limits in the world. I've had meetings with fisheries, the Department of Fisheries here, because as commercial operators we, we sort of meet. Exmouth on the West Australian coast is one of the only destinations on the west coast of Australia where the catch limits and the, and the possession limits and the take from recreational anglers actually gets met. So uh, your possession limits and the, and the take limits are really high. In Exmouth, pretty much a lot of people come here to take. It's all legal. Nothing is wrong with it. All right? It's completely legal. It's the same way that commercial fishing offshore is legal. You're allowed to do it. Um, How many marlin are you allowed to take a year here? You're allowed to take one a day. So one angler is allowed to take one a day, but your possession limits uh, restrict how much meat of the marlin you're allowed to have. But, you know, one, one a day, you can't start harvesting them. Um, but I agree, you have to, you know, where do you draw the line between uh, pointing a finger at the commercial guy and say, hey, they, they're messing up the oceans, we're not doing anything wrong. I guess there's an entire side of, of fly fishing who look at it and go, those guys are game fishermen with a fly rod, and they look like they're just sort of game fishing with a fly rod. I never want to be seen like that, standing next to a dead fish. And that's fine. That's people's opinions. That's, and, 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 you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Dean is 100% correct in saying that the major issue 
is the commercial fishing, be it legal or illegal? My point is, and my question about progression and evolving is, how is the game fishing associations of the world doing anything about directing attention or directing, uh, tr somehow trying to do something if there's a problem? What is that problem? Are we taking too much out of the oceans? And what are, what are people doing? What are the game fishing associations? What is the IGFA and what are the world leaders of our fishing industry doing about that? Because going out and catching a record and hanging it and saying, well, that's me, I'm done, and I'm, it's legal, and I'm not doing anything wrong, the major issue is over there. But what are we doing about that? Well, good question. What are we doing about it? We're certainly, we don't, the, ignorance isn't an excuse to threaten someone's life because they killed a fish. There's a lot more emphasis on tag and release. It doesn't happen in Australia, but there's places in the world where you can win $3 million with a dead fish. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars going into little towns like Carbo St. Lucas where, and other places where they have these big money tournaments that people travel to, to participate in. That's one dead fish, millions and millions of dollars. One, that marlin of eddies to a commercial fisherman from Sri Lanka is probably worth 3000 bucks when he catches it. And he's going to kill it. He doesn't care how big it is, how, whether it'll be off when he gets it to where he's going. If he gets that on his line, that's a dead fish worth that much money to him. Do you think Eddie could have had the same sort of reaction, or not even the same reaction, do you think he could have had the same results as far as bringing people into the town if he had taken a photo of it from afar, or, or like we did with Riley who jumped out of the boat and took a picture? Sure. Did it have to die? Well, because I know what it did, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what it did for me was it did two things. One, I shared that article that the reporter wrote about the grief Eddie was getting, yep. and he did everyone a disservice, the author, or the, the columnist, by only speaking about the economy, I felt. I never read the post. But. And, and, and my audience went into an uproar about it. But two, it also scared the shit out of me because when I saw the response that Eddie got, I thought to myself, I, will, I, 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 can, I can never do that. And even if you could sit here with me and say to me, April, or the government says, April, hang that blue marlin, you're totally allowed to. In fact, we encourage it. If you're going to eat fish, that's a great one to take. I would do what I do with my deer. I would kill it. I would take it home, and I would never let the photo surface. Sure. Well, you know, I don't care what other people think, so I'm happy to have my photo taken. You didn't bring that fish in because you didn't want anyone to see it, so you care about what they think. But, and this is, the whole world cares about what everyone else thinks. Well, that's the problem, you know? Like, that fish, it's also about keeping operators honest. And this is an out there thought, and I'm, but... That fish weighed 1,089 pounds. Now, if I'm a charter operator and I need business and I'm, and I'm desperate, I'll just say I released 1,000 pounds. I didn't weigh it. And that happens a lot. And this is, comes back to rules and scores and the, game, the sport of game fishing. There it is, 1,089 pounds. That's how much it weighed. And whether you want to kill them or not, it, that's proof that they swim in this water. And, and you know, to me... You can't catch a thousand pound marlin unless you weigh it. You can't and don't say it if you don't weigh it because it, how do you know? No, and I know people are like, oh, well, just bring it up to the boat and do measurements. Yeah, and exactly. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then it kills you. The only way you can do that is to kill it. <laughs> but and I will then say. And if you kill it and let it go and think you've done something great, you know, without and feel good because you let it go. And I'm not saying that you didn't know that fish was dead, but plenty of people and, and, 
I've had stand-up arguments with clients. With, I want to let the fish go. I don't want to kill it. I said, well, I've got to tell you the bad news. That fish is dead, so there's no point in us not taking it. It's dead. It's, we've, it's disrespectful not to drag that thing in a boat and do something with it. Can you tell people listening how you know? Because there are ways that you can tell by the well, colour and stuff. Well, just uh, that fish that... John O'Core, that's a pretty nice black marlin, you know. So that particular fish, when we saw that the photograph, and I and no one told me the fish was dead. I just looked at the picture and said, "Well, that fish is dead." You can tell by the look in the fish's eye. It's you know, I think anyone that's seen a dead human being can tell they're dead when they look in their eye. The colour of the fish, the particular pose that fish was that photograph was taken, the way that photo was taken, the fish was dead. We can tell a fish that is close to death by the way it's performing at the back of the boat. The one that you can measure and, and even wrap a tape around its girth, that fish probably, I'd give it a 5% chance of successively swimming away and surviving. Yeah. You know, it might survive, but it'll be that week that a shark will get it. Something, it's just not going to be get, able to go away and rest. Even yesterday, you shoved a hose with salt water I'm down tr- yeah. that fish's mouth to keep it going. I, I, didn't, I knew that we were going to try and get a photo of that fish. Mm-hmm. So In the water? In the water, and we, we did our very best, and I believe that fish has a... Really, really good chance of surviving. I feel good about it. It was still it swam away. Blue it was blue. It had its colour. Yeah. The colour of a of a close to death fish is and unfortunately and and there's lots of I, I follow lots of people that take catch fish out here at Exmouth and different places in the world. Most fish that you're able to get those fancy shots alongside the boat, holding the bill and standing back. Most of those fish look close to death. To they're me. like bronzy. And, yeah, they're not yeah. very. They're not in a good way. So, Jono, what do you think of this? Because when Dean's speaking, all I'm thinking of is steelhead, and I'm thinking, okay, let's say we have a 25 pound fish. People don't need to know it's 25 pounds to want to come fish BC. All they know is they see a big fish, they want to come to BC. Whether it's 20 pounds, 25 pounds, they don't care. Do you think that whether that fish that Eddie got was 800 pounds or 1100 pounds? that it makes a difference? Did it have to be hung to know the exact number to encourage people to come to Exmouth? To be honest, I didn't spend too much time looking at it or dabbling over it. I just saw there was a massive fish caught. I saw the picture. I was like, wow, the guy did well. That's an amazing capture. I know full well that that fish will bring people to town. The mindset of those people coming to town, game fishing, uh, going for big marlin, it's going to bring people to the town. Good for Eddie, good for the town, good for the economy. One fish dead. You know, I, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, I'd just like to talk about the measuring thing because we, we dabbled on that about measuring, uh, measuring fish by the side of the boat and so on. People talk to me, my clients, guys say, why is it necessary to kill record fish? Can't they just measure them, take a photo? Why doesn't the IGFA come up with a, a system of measuring stuff that you can just take a photo or, or, or that surely, you know, we can... In today's technology, there's got to be a way to, to do it without killing. I mean, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense. This has been me for a decade, by the way. So right, do, right. do tell. Well, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's me and, and 95% of my clientele who have zero interest in fishing IGFA leaders or fishing under a set of rules or potentially hanging a fish. And they go, why do those guys get obsessed with records? What is the obsession with records? And what is the obsession with, with if they get the right fish, kill it, or if they get the wrong fish, snap it off and, and keep going for the right fish. And, and you know, I, I guess I look at the whole thing and I go like, yeah, well, why? Surely there's a way that we can evolve. I mean, they didn't, 
uh, Tarpon used to get brought up on the boat. Everyone is standing like a hero with a tarpon on the boat. Jeez, you bring a tarpon up on the boat now, you get, you know... Crucified. You're right. You, but what, a lot what about of, steelhead? What, a, what, you know, if you take them out of the water, if you hang them by the gills. But a lot of people don't realize in Florida, I think it's in Florida, you get what, you get a tag a year, you get, can kill a, bar, a tarpon a year. I guess that it, perhaps maybe that would be a, a thing where you're allowed a tag a year for a for killing a, a record fish. Totally agree. Yeah. And that the uh, captain or the, the client, who's usually rich, uh, is willing to pay for that tag. Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think that coming back to my point about evolution and about moving forward, you know, if we if we're not evolving as humans, we're still living in the in the dark ages. Uh, it would be really cool to see a more evolutionary. Uh, 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 ethic, let's say, in, in, in the big game fly fishing world. And I just don't know how that's going to happen. Because if, if, as Dean said, if, if you're measuring fish and you're measuring their girth and they're by the side of the boat and, you, and you're dilly-dallying next to the boat, measuring this, leaning over the side of the boat, it, it's not going to happen. There is a lot of length records now. The IGFA have started length records where the longest fish ever caught and released is becomes a record, a length record, I think they call it. It's not something that I've looked into much. And it's it's for all species of fish, I guess, you know, bonefish, permit. I have no desire to kill a record permit or a record bonefish or a record Oscar or a record anything. I don't and I don't think you should kill those fish for records. I'd like to kill a tarp, I'd like to catch the biggest tarp ever on the fly rod. I would love to do that and I'd have no problems taking that fish except for all the problems I'd have taking that fish because it would be an achievement. So we are evolving, and the IGFA is trying to do this, and they are trying to create these length records, and they're doing this Royal Slam thing, which I think they made a mistake with the way they've done that, but they're trying to fix that. But at the end of the day, you cannot measure a fish. And, and my question, my problem with measuring fish of any type is if you've got a metre-long barramundi, and then you catch another metre long barramundi, which is the biggest one. It's always going to be the heaviest one, and they will be one heavier than the other, even though they are the same length. These big game fish that they're catching on fly and or conventional tackle, the 1089 that we keep talking about, that fish has to be weighed if it's going to be a record. You just cannot measure a fish without hurting some. And if you could measure it, it would be dead like the one you killed with Marty. So... It's pointless. And another thing I think about, I think I, I think we fished, I had a client of mine, we fished a total of 99 days in a South Pacific country in Vanuatu, which is not the richest country in the world. We fished for 99 days to catch one fish over three or four years. So 30 days, 30 nights in a hotel, 30 days on a fishing boat. So I'm, I'm back there at the economy, but and he killed one fish. And you know what? I've never hooked a fish that wasn't big enough and not brought it to the side of the boat and taken the fly out or, or tried. I've never condoned cracking off a fish uh, that wasn't the right size fish, and, and that's how you get good at catching them, I guess. Catch every one you hook. But we didn't think we'd done anything wrong taking one fish in 99 days. Did you get grief over it? Uh, no, because we're in a place where that fish was like 300 pounds of T-bone steak for anyone that wanted to come and get it. Let me ask you this, because I'm very interested in your mentality, especially after spending some time with you and, and definitely getting a better feel for who you are. Why are you interested in killing and hanging a tarpon and a marlin, but not a permit? Um, because 
if you can grab the fish by the tail and pick it up or keep it wet and get the photo, I don't see any point trying to kill it. If, if, I, if I am taking on a big fish, it's an adrenaline rush. I just love the <laughs> rush. Thought, I, yeah. I'm basically trying to kill something that's trying to kill me. And that's what I wanted to ask you, and, I was, I, and I'm just going to go full on and say it. There is a big part of me that wonders if you sit in that boat and you watch some fuckwit fight fish day after day and they take credit for it and it's them and they're connected to the fish but really we all know who put that person into the fish let's get real here is it that you have this primal part of you as a man and a hunter who wants to also have his hands in part of that fight and in part of the killing like is there that savage bit going on there because i swear i saw something light up in your eyes no question a hundred percent and the guys that are really really good at it and let, you know, like, what the general public thinks about what we do, my peers, my, the people I work with, the people I respect that have the skills to do that sort of thing, I couldn't give a fuck what those people thought. And, gosh, I'm sure that sounds terrible but, and selfish and all sorts of things. But, A, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. B, I don't think I'm hurting the fish stocks of the world. And for, for the group of people I have so much respect for, for what they do every day to get the chance to take one of these things on. Uh, that's what it's about for me and the people that I know in this game that do it, you know, and, and we need clients that, and, you know, that if everyone was a great fisherman, there would be no fishing guides, don't I? You know, there would be, we'd all be fishing for fun and you'd probably have to have a proper job. But, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, it's a primal, it's, it's feeling the power of, a creature that comes from a different world. It's not. It's not on the. It's not a deer in the bull, in the jungle or in in the forest. It's a creature in the ocean. You know, a sea monster, and you're taking it on. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I couldn't agree more. I think that holding a fly rod in your hand, and no matter what the species of fish is, and that's why we fly fish. If you're walking in a stream and you're, you're fishing for trout. You, you're in a beautiful surrounding, you catch the nice trout, you look at it and, and off, off it goes. Uh, if you're out in the ocean and you're doing battle with a, a you know, dirty great big marlin and the thing is rushing at your fly and you, you hit it with a fly and you, you, you get a chance to fight it on a fly rod, it's, it's awesome. I guess we're both exactly the same up until the point where I just like to release pretty much every fish that I catch and I have no, no intention I still have, and most of my clients, and man in general still has this huntery instinct. You know, we're not throwing spears at, at antelope in the, in the safari. We're, we're throwing flies at fish, and it's that same, same principle of that single-minded approach towards something. You're hunting, you, you know, you're, you're, you get it, you look at it, you appreciate it, wow, and off you go. And I guess the, uh, I'm, I'm more on that side of the camp, you know. It's an awesome experience. It's a complete rush. It could be a permit tilting on your fly. It could be a, a marlin hitting your, your fly at the back of the boat. How you do it and, and, and you know, the, the experience that you have is completely awesome. Just like to let the things go and, uh, you know, enjoy, the, enjoy perhaps watching them swim off. And you just segued me right into the point I wanted to go to. Cool. As soon as you talk to me about dead fish, it changes the subject entirely to hunting. This is what we have here, people, besides a failure to communicate, is we have a difference of mindset on hunting. That's what all it comes down to. I think, personally, because I meet in the middle, I agree with things that both of you are saying. I, I feel like we should definitely team together to fight commercial fishing, but where it's irresponsible, 
I think we should be allowed to have a tag to kill a marlin. I think we need to be smart about our argument, just like in hunting. And we need to take our money, put it back towards conservation where it can be. And we need to, to realize that there is this primal instinct in human beings. It's not wrong. Dean, like you're not sick in the head to want to kill a marlin. I completely oh, I understand. Why. I understand. Yeah. And, and Jono, you're completely allowed to not want to eat a marlin, but at the end of the day, you're still eating fish. Oh, I, I'll eat any fish. No problems whatsoever. You know? I, I don't marlin. I've, except the marlin. But why not? Is it because you don't like the taste of it? Um, I've eaten marlin before. Mm-hmm. Uh, my housemate was with one of the... He was a decky on one of the game fishing boats out here, and uh, they killed a marlin, and uh, he had smoked marlin. It was absolutely delicious. But, but, you know, Fabulous to eat. When you, when you think about that one that you, that you killed and let... And didn't want to be seen with it. You didn't want to be seen with it. That's why you wasted it. That's because you're here. I might be here, left and right. If you took that marlin and said we had no intention to kill it, but it died, I didn't want to waste it, and spoke to the, the, the left side of the fence there and said, well, you know, I didn't want to waste it. It is what we do. We do, you know, they're going to die. If we keep fishing for them, you, you will kill one every now and then. I'm here, you're there. You've got a dead marlin because it died because you went fishing and they do die sometimes. If we were trying to fix it from here in the middle instead of being radical left or radical right in regard to what you're thinking about, I think we could educate the people that are actually ignorant about what really goes on when you go... You know, every fish you ever caught made a mistake. He didn't do it because he liked you or every single one. And every time you pull on it, it's pulling for its life, whether you are going to kill it or not. That's what it's doing. So that's what we do for a living that's what we do for fun we go out and we put hooks in fish we should be working from the center not the left or the right to get this get the word out there about what we do and why we do it some of which kill some don't i just we're fighting with each other all the time instead of trying to get it And now you know why you have invited both of you to sit at this table. I think it's a fabulous (laughs) discussion, and I think you're exactly right. Far too left and far too right doesn't achieve anything. I think at the crux of it, in the middle, the rules governing what's going on, If this is my point again about the rules evolving, if that set of rules that's defining whether we're hanging fish or not or killing fish or not, I like eating fish, but the set of rules about around going out in the day and your objective is to go out and, and, and get a record fish on light tippet, you're not really going out just to eat something. You're going out to get a record on light tippet around a set of rules. Uh, well, I don't imagine you're going out to eat something either every day. And I want to know who says you can kill that and eat that and kill that and eat that, but you can't kill that. Or the same people who are so upset right now listening to this screaming at their iPhones going, ah, oh, I'd never kill a marlin, but you're eating salmon for dinner. Do you know how many wild steelhead were caught as bycatch? in the nets while you're eating your salmon? Literally the next closest town is uh, 400 kilometers to the south of here. We get all our food here trucked up from Perth, which is the major city in Western Australia. If we want to eat a a steak at the restaurant here or we want to eat a a chicken, uh, that has to arrive on a truck from down south, okay? The the, the amount of effort gone into to bring that bit of meat onto my table or, or, or anyone's table in this town is a huge effort and the amount of uh, footprint, let's say, to truck it up here, to, to, to farm it down south, the feed, the waste, the packaging, all that kind of crap. You take a fish out of the ocean here, it's got to be the least footprint possible and the, the most ecologically sort of uh, sound way of putting meat on your plate. That's fine. And, and I totally agree with that. 
just choose not to chase records on a fly rod. That's all. You know, all of the commercial long line in the fish that get caught on line, and I don't really know what sort of pressure is. I think the Western Australian fisheries have a pretty good thing going with the way they control their long liners, but these fish don't swim. They swim through a gauntlet of long lines to get here in the summer months, you know. These are migratory fish that swim the oceans of the world when we're talking about marlin. But um, so that's the big problem. That's not, it's not me or Eddie or anyone else that goes out there and takes a marlin for a record. Forget why it was killed. Uh, you know, and that seems to be the biggest problem because it was for a record. They're a trophy hunter. They're doing what legally they're allowed to do and they're enjoying it and they're spending their money. Let's work together. To, to, and, and what I'm saying is don't tell me that I can't kill a marlin and I won't tell you to kill a marlin, but let's work out if, if it is an issue that there's a waste issue, let's work out a way to utilise it. The only reason you didn't bring your fish in, you couldn't utilise it, let's try and fix that. And let's, let's take the stigma away from actually being seen next to a dead marlin, which is why you wasted that one. You know, so how do you think we can take the stigma away from standing next to Dig Marlin without not standing next to Dig Marlin? Uh, by looking at the fact that, uh, and I'm not going to get these numbers right, but I think Eddie's last 12 month period, he has tagged and released 330 Marlin for his customers, tagged and released, and I'll guarantee you that they are the healthiest Marlin getting released in this town by a long shot, and I think he's killed four. Do you think that the numbers here can handle it? I think this is an incredibly healthy fishery. Department of West Australian Fisheries just released a report saying that the fisheries are in a very good state. 95% of the state is in a healthy fishery. There are lots of fish here. As Dean alluded to earlier, this is probably one of the, the best places on the planet to come and chase fly rod size, black marlin, sailfish, striped marlin, and so on. The numbers here are, are, are fantastic, you know, and the pressure is, is very minimal. Um, I don't think it's not so much about the, the, the numbers and, 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 and there is uh, the problem that we're depleting the stocks. It's not so much that. I think it's all about the numbers. I think it's more about standing next to that dead fish and saying, you know, is that the image that is... Uh, creating positive awareness or is it creating negative awareness? And this is where you and I are going to disagree. My fear is that our world is so messed up right now with this politically correct nonsense. Tom Rosenbauer interviewed Steve Ronella the other day and was making all this mention about this hate that he's going to get about talking about killing the occasional trout. If our world is at the point where we can't kill a trout without being made to feel like something's wrong with us, I'm afraid that if we give in to killing fish, whether it's a marlin or a salmon, I mean, Instagram recently blocked out, you know, that sensitive content image. They recently blocked out a, a picture of Steve's saying that it was sensitive content. You had to tap to view it because it's going to be a murdered body of something. It was a salmon fillet. Okay. I'm so afraid that if we're going to keep giving into this, that we're going to really lose who we are as human beings. And the reality is that until the population and the people who are giving me grief about wanting to go hunting or kill a salmon or maybe, God forbid, one day kill a blue, a Pacific blue, until you guys look at yourselves and say, oh, I'm having steak for dinner or I'm going to eat this, you know, this commercially caught sockeye salmon, um, I'm terrified where the world's going. 
I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I so think where that, do we get, where do we meet in the middle with those people? It, it's coming. It's coming. You know, we as I don't see it coming. We as, we're getting further and further away from meeting in the middle, and that's the biggest problem in everything. Yeah. And and how do we fix standing next to a dead marlin by understanding that it is actually okay to take a marlin for food? And or, heaven forbid, take one for a trophy. It's okay to do that because in, in, in the grand scheme of things, we, we're not doing that much harm. But getting closer to getting in the middle of there and getting this sorted out, I think we're just getting further away because of the radicals at both ends. And at the moment, I think they're way more radical to the left than they are the right. And it scares me. Yeah. I'm just glad I'm at an age now where I won't see... I, it's Something has to happen. Yeah. And... There's way more important things to fix than whether we stand next to a dead marlin or not every now and then. I, I, just, see, I just see marine parks, closures, as you say, extreme lefties, greenies. Well, this is what they want. You know? and, and you're fueling it by saying how bad it is to kill a marlin. The, the majority, the left majority, and they, and they are the majority now, more so. We're going to get more and more. That's going to be the fix. Let's just close everything down. And then they'll work out a way to pay to look at it or, or to view it in a museum, I guess. But closing it down is not the way to do it. Managing it correctly and, and as far as I'm concerned, believing the fact that it is OK to take a fish, regardless of what species or what you might want to do with it, if you, and if you choose to stand next to it to get your picture taken, that's OK. Pay for your tag. Do so. Control it. Just control it. But don't shut us out. You know, and that's and a lot of the complaints, and a lot of the people they know nothing about this. Absolutely nothing. And and they're the ones making the decisions and the most noise. Well, I think that it's. Uh, I think it's a completely sensitive issue, and I think it's an issue which is uh, a lot of people don't talk about. And especially you know, two guys like us with two completely uh, opposing opinions or different opinions saying that you don't really care what anyone thinks. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks, and I think it's okay to stand next to a fish. Uh, it's, I'm not fueling anything. Standing next to a fish fuels it, because when they come to shut down the fishery, when they come to shut down, and they're coming, the momentum is there. You look on any social media, Eddie got a death threat for killing one fish. I understand the, 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 the uh, financial benefits behind that, and sure, by saying, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks and I'm going to stand next to that fish and anyone who says anything is fueling the anti-hate is not really meeting in the middle at all. It's sort of standing way on one side going, I'm not changing my way at all. The rules are not changing. I'm not changing my way at all. I'm going to stand here and you're welcome to come and meet me, but I'm going to do this. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Hey, do it because that's what you do anyway. But they're coming, right? They're coming to shut things down. They're shutting things down already. And I'm just saying, hey, it's not the best look in the world to stand there and saying, I'm the winner when, you know, they're, they're coming. Hey, my business shuts down immediately. The moment they come down and shut this whole fishery down, uh, we all lose. We as fishermen as a whole, recreational and, and professional charter operators, we should work together. That's what I think, rather than fighting amongst each other which happens when a dead fish gets up. Because there's plenty of fishermen, that, as you say, that hate this, and then there's people that are not fishermen that hate it because they don't really understand it. We should be working together. Uh, but, and the problem is that in this town, all you're really worried about is whether they shut your place down. At the other end of the country, at Port Stephens, where they're trying to lock it out, all the, all the people that are 
vocally trying to stop that happening, it's because they have a vested interest in that area, whether it's where they fish on the weekends or where they make their living. So, and, and around the world, in Florida, with the Florida Keys and the, and the water quality problems they've got there, the fishing guys there, they don't really care whether we kill the marlin down here. They're worried about what's going on there. But we are, as a, a worldwide network of people that fish, if you want to fix anything, you have to fix it in its entirety. I think you have to change the way people think about this stuff and and just just condemning the guy that kills the fish is not the way to do it. Do you think that as an organisation, if the IGFA were to adjust its set of rules to stop the killing of fish for records, that would help? Um, no, because I don't think it hurts. I don't think killing a fish for a record is doing any harm. The IGFA has a stronger... They, they are moving in a more conservation-minded direction, uh, but they still are the keeper of the record, so I think that they, they are going to revamp a lot of their stuff and with the catch-and-release records and their length records, I think they're heading that way. But, you know, nothing happens overnight. That marlin off-the-menu thing took them... So much time, so much energy and so much money and I'm sure people probably do understand the amount of shit they had to go through to get that through, Senate and all the stuff they did, the amount of people they had to basically pay off to even get into offices to have a meeting about it. I, I, I hate to be pessimistic but I think, I think it's going to be hard to fix the problems we're talking about here now. I really do in the, in the short term anyway. I agree.